Hi everyone, it's Aisha here, and welcome to part 2 of our Cherry to Hantu special in conjunction with Halloween which happened over the weekend. You are about to hear another 6 spooky encounters with the unknown, from sleep paralysis to room disturbances to unexplainable sightings. These were things that were heard, seen, or felt, but still remains a mystery. It was 6.30 in the morning, and the sky was still black, with only a few dim lights coming from the faraway hallways. The cold morning air filled our lungs as we walked up four flights of stairs to the school office to get the keys to open the library and start our newspaper run. As Sarah and I walked down to make our way behind the assembly hall to the library, we began discussing our tasks. As we reached the ground floor and passing by the side of the hall, my right hand that had the bunch of keys closed shut. The sensation I felt, the feeling I had, was as if someone was holding my hand, making sure it would not open. I felt sharp pains as the keys dug into my skin. I looked down at my hand not knowing what was happening. I called out to Sarah and told her that I couldn't open my hand. She tried prying my fingers open one by one, but they kept closing back again. I looked up, trying to calm myself down by taking, by taking a deep breath. But before I could have that breath, at the corner of my eye, I thought I saw a shadow. A shadow sitting on the ledge on the side of the assembly hall. Instinctively, I shifted my gaze and looked down trying to ignore whatever that was. At this point, Sarah managed to get enough fingers to unclench so she could pull the keys from my grasp. With my hands still tight in a ball, Sarah and I looked at each other, not knowing what else to do. Deliberating what to do next, suddenly my hands started to relax and unfold. I said to Sarah, let's go. She looked at me and somehow understood what I meant. We quickly walked towards the library and never spoke of this again. I was pretty sensitive to the supernatural since I was a little kid. So my earliest memory of something supernatural comes from when I was about four years old. My grandfather passed away when I was about three or four years old. And this story comes to me from my mother. And I do remember bits and pieces of this as well. She said that after my grandfather passed away, I used to have this habit of going downstairs uh, in the middle of the night or in the early, early morning and playing. Or I would just wander around, talk to people who weren't there. And usually, sometimes, you know, I'd say things. Um, for example, if someone was going to sit on the couch, I would say, don't sit there. Kongkong is sitting there or if I would stay up really late as a kid to watch shows and my mom would go, you know, come upstairs, 
go to bed. And as I would go up the stairs, I would tell her, you know, don't turn off the TV yet. Kung Fong is still watching the TV. And she said that one of the creepiest experiences that she remembers me having, that I don't remember very much, was she woke up in the middle of the night, I think like early morning, and she realized that I wasn't in bed with her. And so she went downstairs to look for me. And there I was sitting in the pitch black in my living room, kind of talking to no one. And I was giggling and I was playing and my mom goes, you know, hey, what are you doing? It's so early. And I told her, I'm playing with Hong Kong. And she went, why? Hong Kong has passed away, honey. He's not here. She's told me that I went, no, he's right here. And I, w I turned around and I pointed at nothing. It's like pitch black, all the lights are out. And I pointed to the darkness. And my mom said, like, this is one of the first times that she had, like, chills. And she just, okay, that's enough. Then everybody has to go to sleep. Let's go upstairs and go to bed. And she took me upstairs. And I, I didn't really know what to make of the story at first. But when we were talking about my grandfather quite recently, uh, I, I recall a, a moment in my head that I saw him and, and I described him sitting in the couch to my mom and my sisters and I told her, it's like, yeah, Kong Kong used to wear like this batik shirt and his like slacks and stuff and he was just sitting on the couch just watching TV. My mom went really quiet and then she sort of just said we we pre-made Kong Kong in his bucket shirt and his slacks. Kong Kong whenever he was in the house he would just wear his like singlet and his pants. Like it was a rare occasion for him to dress up when he was home. So I was like, oh, well, I mean, don't y'all remember this? And they were like, no, because he wasn't there. And that was one of the first few times. And then after that, I sort of, like growing up, I used to be very afraid of my own house because you, I would see sort of like legs walking down the stairs. I would see like hands coming around the corner of the wall if I went into the kitchen. It was, a, I thought it was only a thing that happened in the house, but it was also a thing that I started to realize outside of it as well. And I do remember distinctly at some point where we used to go to Penang very often and we were staying at a hotel. And I remember this very clearly just for the fact of how afraid I was. Like I used to have trouble sleeping and I would wake up in the middle of the night. And there was this one night I woke up and I looked at the hotel room and in the corner standing by the TV in the hotel room was like this tall dark figure and I couldn't see anything about it. I just knew it was like a shadow. And I remember kind of waking my mom up and being like, I'm scared. And she was like, just go to bed. And I sort of grew up with sort of that experience. And I think one of the most memorable and, and terrifying experiences I've ever had was when we were moving from our childhood home into a new house and I remember going to 
the house to view this place with them before they bought the house. And as soon as I walked into this house, I just got really bad vibes. Like, to the point where I couldn't, I wouldn't even want to, I didn't even want to follow them up to the second floor to see things. I was like, no, I'm going to wait by the car, you guys go. And I, I remember the time I refused to want to live there. I told them, like, if you're going to buy this house, I'm not going to stay here. And I, at first, as a kid, I believe that, you know, if you brought, like, dogs to the house, if you brought, like, a baby to the house, and if they freaked out, then that'd be a sign. And if they didn't, then it'd be okay. So we did that. We had dogs at the time. My brother was a little baby at the time. We brought both of them there, and they seemed fine. So I said, all right, I'll suck it up, and we did move in. And I think, like, within the first year or two of us living there, I got, like, sleep paralysis. I, I got, like, sat on. And I didn't have this issue in the old house, but the first time I had this, it was in the middle of the night. And I remember waking up and just feeling absolutely paralyzed. I couldn't move. I didn't want to. Uh, I tried to... When I opened my eyes, I could make out a figure, a shaggy... Uh, like it looked like it was furry and it was sitting on my chest. I it was a cross-legged. I could see like the, the knees of it crossed and then I closed my eyes. <laughs> it was a split second. I closed my eyes and I just started saying every prayer that I knew, whether it was like Buddhist prayers, Christian prayers, I even said like Islamic prayers. I just prayed to everything. I was like, please, for God's sake, somebody just do something about this. And eventually it, it, got off me. I ran downstairs, I told my mom, and it became this thing because I used to sleep in the attic, and so the floor was wood, and so were the stairs. So sometimes when you walked around, you'd be able to hear creaking and everything, of course, like walking up and down stairs and everything. And my mom and my stepdad, because the room was on top of theirs, the master bedroom, would always, like, yell at me they'd be like why are you always up and awake at so late and walking up and down i was like i don't i don't walk up and down if i am awake i am lying in bed on my computer or i'm just chilling i'm not moving up and down like why would i be pacing and they'd always yell at me they'd be like, no we can hear you it's like i that's it's not me it's not me and they wouldn't believe me i think until one day i wasn't home and my mom said that she heard creaking up and down the stairs, uh, walking up and down into my, my bedroom and then walking around in the attic room. And then she called out my name. And I didn't answer. She went up the stairs uh, and nobody was in the room. So I remember this call because I was at my friend's place and she called my cell phone at the time and she was like, hey, where are you? I was like, I'm at my friend's house, I told you, and she was like, are you not home? I was like, no. She said, oh, okay, well, come home soon. She didn't say anything to me after that. She didn't mention anything until after we moved out. And for a very long time, I didn't know what to do with these things because it was either they were telling me that it was all in my head or, or it was, obviously, we tried to do everything that we could to kind of get rid of it. And... There was another time, it was a second paralysis. So after sleeping upstairs in the attic room, I moved downstairs to my sister's room because my sister was away abroad to study. So her room was vacant. 
So I slept in her room instead, uh, thinking that it maybe it was like the room, it was the bad vibes or whatever. And then I do remember this as well. It was one of the days when the lights were on and one night I felt like the bed did, like somebody was kneeling on the bed and I felt it move from the bottom of the stairs. So I remember the bed dipping from the bottom of the bed over to over to me and I felt it press down on my chest. So that was another experience and that was kind of the the straw that broke the canvas back, but more of like telling mom, okay, this is insane. Like if I can't go anywhere, if I can't sleep anywhere in this house, then I'm just gonna I would I would just not sleep the whole night out of fear. And then I'd go to my friend's house in the afternoon after school and I would nap at her place. Like it was that bad. So this happened way back when, when I was still studying for my uh, foundation studies in law in Kedah. So in Kedah UITM, it's a, 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 a village campus, not too villagey lah, but it's smack dab in the middle of bushland of Kedah. <clears throat> so um, I stayed in the men's dorm in Malinja, I think it's called. So Malinja has like six or seven <clears throat> floors. I was in the fifth level of the floor. So in one dorm, it consists of maybe four to five students per dormitory. So one fateful night of this particular story, this particular episode. Um, of course, it had to start from when we were asleep. Lah. So it was myself. It was my good friend back then still now <laughs> uh, Shafiq Faruqi and then there was my good friend from Sarawak it was Nizam now why Sarawak is important in this detail uh, this detail is important is it will come later and there was another one of my good friends we call him Apeng so the thing about staying in a men's hostel a men's dormitory it's always a good idea if let's say you have to go to the toilet at the dead of night in the, upper, upper, in the early hours of the morning to be accompanied by your buddies because it's never a good idea to go there alone lah. so I had to relieve myself so uh, following the same wisdom I woke up first Shafiq so I woke up Shafiq and I mean although it pains me to to to, to, to admit that I was scared but I was reasonably so So I woke up Shafiq and Shafiq is like, you know, not willing, but at the same time, being a good friend, uh, uh, you know, reluctantly obliged. So while I was waking up Shafiq, I also woke up um, my good friend Nizam, which which his bunk is directly next to mine. So if there's a lot of movement from my bed, most likely I will wake the guy up. So it was myself, Shafiq, and Nizam and of course since almost the entire room is woken up Apeng also follows suit so all four of us band of brothers went to relieve ourselves in the hostel apa, in, in the dormitory punya apa lavatory lah so all four of us went and in typical apa student fashion when we do about our business there it's not just business we have some 
cigarettes. So three of us was just ha- having our brotherhood time lah. So we are in separate cubicles of the toilet. Of course, it's like the squatty potty, right? So yeah, we were squatty pottying and having a drag of our surya at that time. And we were having a conversation, like legit, real conversations between buddies. So it's like uh, I was talking to Shaf. And Shah would be like, okay, opening up the floor for comments from Nizam and stuff. And and Nizam, being the Sarawakian good friend of us, he will speak in his usual dialect lah. It's like, oh, come uh, itu sito, whatever, right? So, come to the end of our business. I mean, of course, you don't finish one surya in in our in in one sitting. So, yeah. We took half of it back back to the uh, room lah. So come to the end of our business. So it was myself, Apeng, and Shaf who went out of our respective cubicles first. And it was Nizam. Nizam was the only one left in the cubicle. So we uh, alerted him like, Hey, Nizam, uh, kami semua dah selesai lah. So that's what we said. So we we, we told him that uh, kami semua akan pergi dulu lah, balik, balik dulu. And then Nizam straight out also said, "Oh, it's okay. Ka, ka, uh, kami, uh, I can't remember what he said. Kami pun belum settle lagi. So that's what he said. Then he said, okay lah. That being the case, uh, Nizam, are you okay to stay alone? And he said, okay, no problem. Uh, apa kita semua balik dulu, no problem. So he said, so he said, okay, no problem. So all three of us, so it's me, Shaf, and Apeng. All three of us went away." Walk back to our room, and when we open the door to our room, we saw Nizam still sleeping in his bed, and we just spoke to Nizam in the toilet, spoke to him in his dialect. I mean, to the best of our abilities. So, the scary part is, we don't know. Which one is the real Nizam? The one on the bed? Or the one in the toilet? So, I don't know how, because we are brothers, we telepathically tell each other like, okay, we're definitely not waking this Nizam up. So what we're going to do is, we're just going to go back to our respective beds. We're going to stay awake. We like, we're going to stay awake. Because I think subuh was another two hours away. It's what, three, four o'clock in the morning. And we're not going to go to sleep. So we just wait. So we waited. And bila azan subuh, I mean, we thought like, oh, we're in the clear. <laughs> azan subuh. So naturally, we we expect that the thing would run away from the azan. And then we had the, we 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 get, get garnered enough girls to ask Nizam. Woke Nizam up. And we asked Nizam, Nizam, apa kita ada pergi toilet lah. Did you go to the toilet last night? And he told us that he was asleep the whole time. So we don't really know who were we talking to, like real friends, and who we woke up to. And we we literally saw this guy. We saw Nizam woke up like literally just apa stood up from the bed. And walked with us, walked with us, with his towel and everything. And up until today, it's still a mystery to us. Wow. 
My sister, uh, that time she was driving back home and it was quite late, like I would say after midnight, like that late. And the thing is, when you want to drive back home, you always pass by this very empty road and in between the empty road, like you have a lot of houses and then there's a one empty part where it's just forest and then it goes back to a lot of houses again. So this uh, random forest area, there's no light, like there's no street light anywhere so it's like a very scary period of a few one a few minutes uh, no sorry yeah, one minute of scariness and then it's back to normal housing area so when my sister was going back home she had to cross this very scary area so when she was driving she just suddenly stopped right before she entered that foresty area and she saw there was a figure standing there like it was in like a full black cloak like, like as if it's Juba or something But he was It was hooded Cannot see But he he had like a tong, Tongkat uh, Is that what you call it? Like a really long Tongkat And he was just trying to cross The road from One area of a forest to another So he was trying to cross the road So when he crossed the road There was something following him At the back as well It was a long snake Like a really big Like anaconda-like snake Following him as well so it was following him and then it was the longest snake that she's ever seen and she was she didn't actually wait for the snake to fully cross like once part of it was finished crossing the street she started moving already and sped her way home but the thing is after that event she started to have a lot of pain in her like like back pain like Something supernatural, I would say, like happened to her where we had to call in Ustad and everything. And like, it, it took a while for her to recover from that night. It was a strange thing that happened. Let me tell you a story that I experienced during my days in foundation. To give you guys a background of the story, it happened at night when I stayed in RT which is a condominium located in Sha'alam Selangor and it's near with Menara U and Menara U2, which is known to have legit suicide cases. And speaking of suicide, during my college years, there was a university student that actually did committed suicide and it spread wildfire in my university. So the incident happened around 2 to 3 in the morning. I was still awake, scrolling through my phone, getting ready to sleep basically. At that time of the incident, I was sharing my room with my cousin. She was staying over that night. And before going to bed, I heard a noise. It's hard to describe because it sounds like someone was crying, but it's not. But at the same time, it is sound like someone is laughing, but at the same time, it isn't. It is a very difficult noise to describe. It is like laughing, crying, and singing at the same time. And the noise was as if it was in the room. And the first feeling I felt was fear and panic. I thought I was imagining and also I had just taken my medication that night. I woke my cousin who was still sleeping because I wanted to reaffirm what I was actually hearing. When she woke up, the first thing that I noticed was that her face was covered in fear and this reaffirmed that what I was hearing was legit. I got up and went to the switch to turn on the light. As I turned on the light, the noise disappeared. 
and when I thought it would disappear, I switched off the light to go back to sleep, but when I did that, the noise came back. I went out of motion a few times, in a sense you can say I was playing with it. <laughs> then suddenly, I heard the door being slammed and knocked. But it felt like it was coming from my own door. But my door was closed the whole time. So everyone in the room at the point had woken up and we actually called my parents for help because we were clueless on what to do. And this is where religion comes in. My mom asked me to play Ayat Rukia. The Ayat Rukia is basically is like a sound recording specifically to the supernatural or in Islam we call it Jinn by invoking the name of God. We played the Ayat Rukia on full volume and opened all the room doors so the sound echoed through every room and we played it the whole night. This thing kind of happened when I was at my Form 5 retreat in high school. And I don't know, until today, I don't know why they call it a retreat. Like, I mean, why would you call it a retreat? There's no relaxation or anything akin to a retreat. You're doing all these ridiculous, like, team-building exercises with the rest of your Form 5 mates, which you kind of know already by that point in time. And anyway, point being... It was at a Form 5 retreat. And it's like, it wasn't even like a retreat. It has nothing, it looked nothing like a proper retreat. It wasn't like a a five-star hotel or it was situated at a beach. So this place is like really deep, like mambang tanah, mambang air, mambang laut, mambang hutan kind of like vibes, right? This, this is like deep in the forest where I've never even got them heard about. And... You know, it's, it's the usual thing. They had this kind of open-air cafeteria where, you know, all the students were supposed to meet up and have, like, meals together. And it was three to a, a chalet. And I bunked with Apret and Khalid. <laughs> Names changed to protect their identities. So essentially, it was, like, slightly after Maghrib. And everyone came to the open dining area just to like queue up to have like that buffet style dinner. And you know, all the all the girls were just like sitting together and talking together and everything. So I was queuing up for food. And I see out of the corner of my eye, this one girl, um, this one Tudong girl. It's just, you know, talking to her friends and everything. And I was like, that was me just glancing at her and... I recall that because she was having a good time. She was having like a really great time, like, you know, engaged with like a lot of energy and she was just active and just engaged with her friends and so on. And then like suddenly like when I turned back to look at her and then she's just looking off into the dark and just to paint you a picture, the open dining area is well lit. But the moment you go like five feet outside of the dining area, it's like dark. It's super dark. Like you had to use your flashlight to just get back to the chalets because it wasn't lit at all so anyway um i can see that she's kind of like looking out into like the 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 abyss i suppose it was like in the blacky ink of the night and she she started acting like a little bit more distracted you know and um she kept glancing back uh, into this one particular direction in terms and you know like okay i thought 
I didn't read much into it. I didn't think about it. It was all of maybe three minutes. The event happened along the length of Money by Lisa. It was about a two minute thirty second event, possibly. To everybody else, what looked like was that she kept looking, glancing into the dark, and then eventually she started closing her eyes, reciting something to herself from the far distance of which I can see, and then as I'm picking stuff and just shoveling it into my plate I can hear a loud scream from her and I turned around and she's like all out bawling her eyes crying screaming and trying like getting away as the as a as a teacher rushed to you know hug her and hold her and she's like you know say get it away from me get it away from me and I was like something along the lines of what I caught was takna takna you know kind of leave me alone kind of language which was kind of freaky Um, then in the retelling of it what happened was that uh, what she told me was uh, and like you say she's kind of like a um, like a silat practitioner which I don't know if it's like common knowledge or even you know scientifically verified or anything like that but apparently silat like ancient silat practitioners used to tap into their inner spiritual kind of thing to 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 really get in touch with themselves what she told me was that from her perspective what happened was that you know she was happily chatting with a group of friends and then um and when she looked off into the darkness what the rest of us just plainly saw as darkness she saw a silvery wispy floating thing vaguely resembling a human form with no definitive features just off in the side um, slightly behind the tree and at first she felt you know the 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 advice on these things was just to ignore them when they come so rightfully she just ignored it but then obviously the thing had already known the thing had already known that it noticed the thing itself so she said every time she glanced back at that silvery wisp it came closer and closer and closer and closer and closer but then so she thought oh my god okay i'm going to ignore you and it just got to the perimeter of the open dining area which is when she just closed her eyes and i can't recall exactly so don't quote me on it whether she recited some surah or like some doa to just get it across or maybe she was just speaking to herself in terms of like you know no no stay away stay away i can't see you i can't see you and everything like that but in the hopes of driving it away she opened her eyes and to see if it worked and instead she came fully faced with that silvery wisp which just in that shock of it in the annex and how unexplainable it was to her at that point in time she admitted a loud scream that could be heard throughout that entire dining area and she freaked she freaked man she got up she like she some some chairs like fell over which only further served to reverberate around the dining area and created this echo and like a lot of clanging noises and further made it look like she was freaking out and uh yeah she was screaming her her lungs out like her eyes were just tears streaming down and down and down. she was like no stay away from me stay away from me and everything and uh and uh the teachers grabbed her and just said okay it's all right just read just read surah or just read doa or something and like after like uh 10 minutes which is about the equivalent about 3 or 4 rounds of money by lisa of blackpink 
and uh, she calmed down and that's when she told the story and everything so I don't know I don't know if it's true I don't think she's the type to get attention I don't know if she was confused as to what she saw or if there was something psychotropic in the buffet but uh, that's what she says and I should say nothing else happened nothing bad happened throughout that entire trip except for the fact that when I got back to school Ustazah told me that uh, she heard from Apret Berak Dam Seluar that she <laughs> that he told her that uh, then, uh, I malas solat <laughs> and I'm like yeah screw that guy Thank <laughs> you.